Welcome to Nerds at the Round Table, a podcast on a quest for quality pop culture. I'm Jamie. I'm Dwayne. Now I'm Sammy. And on this episode, we're reviewing one of my picks, uh, the IT crowd, the only season one. So uh, we're going to try to be careful. Dwayne hasn't watched past season one. He was a good pod, you know, pod host and just watched what he was supposed to, didn't, didn't watch ahead. So we're going to try not to spoil things. <laughs> That's right. That's right. <laughs> Um, well, I didn't break the rules for once in my life. and uh, <laughs> I'm sure you're going to bend up later. Before we get to our full discussion of the IT crowd, uh, we need to keep it 100. It's time to keep it 100. 100. 100. 100. All right. Uh, I have the privilege of going first, um, and I'm going to be lazy. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I basically haven't watched anything or read anything that I wasn't required to for a podcast this week. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, my keeping at 100 this week is the old guard. (laughs) It is the the movie we kind of sort of mentioned on uh, graphic novel this week. We reviewed the graphic novel and kind of watched the movie and talked about it. So I watched the movie as well. Um, And the movie does have an interesting premise. The idea of the Old Guard is a fascinating idea. There's a group of nigh-immortals. Not completely immortal, just mostly immortal. Um, (laughs) But they're from all throughout history um, who fear to be discovered um, for obvious reasons. Uh, They keep doing violent missions to try to to do some good in the world. The action is great, uh, despite the fact that there are some clear budgetary limitations. (laughs) There's a couple of scenes where you can tell where they didn't have any dollars left to spend. But the action is great. I mean, despite all that, they, when, when it's time for fighting, they've got all the dollars are on screen. Um, the cast all nail the roles. Um, it's a fun, clever action movie starring Furiosa herself, Charlize Theron, and it's on Netflix. Um, it's a really good time. And that's my Keeping 100. So if they're not immortal, when they die, are they just mostly dead? Because <laughs> you're either immortal or you're not. <laughs> I, I don't want to spoil the movie. Because um, I do hope you watch. It is a really good time. Uh, it's, a, it's a Greg Rekka joint comic book and movie. They let him write the screenplay for the thing. Sweet. Which I was really surprised by. Um, but yeah, well, it's a good time. Maybe they can get Miracle Max to help him be completely immortal. So. <laughs> Uh, they're mostly alive all century. So. Oh, there you go. There you go. <laughs> all right. Sammy, you're up. What's your keeping it 100? All right. So my keeping it 100 this week is the Disney Plus show Prop Culture. Uh, as a fan of movies, you know, I've always loved the special features included on home video releases. You know, I like to know how the movies are made. Uh, This show focuses on a prop collector named Dan Lanigan, who really explores the history of the props from eight movies uh, for Mary Poppins, Tron, the Muppet movies, so really classics. Uh, And it's more than just an antiques roadshow series. Uh, Dan reconnects those props with the cast and crew who used them or designed them. Uh, So we see a collection of actors, costume designers, animators, musicians that really help bring all of these classic films to life. 
<laughs> some of the episodes of the series were quite moving. Uh, and I admit, I did get a bit dusty for me just because I have a personal connection with some of these movies. Um, you know, this is something you can watch by yourself or with the fam. Prop culture is just, it's just a perfect series of movie fans. So I would check it out. And that's why prop culture is my keeping it 100. I have, I have one question though. Yes. On the Mary Poppins episode, does Michael mm-hmm. Rooker behave himself? <laughs> he does good no but you know like i said i mean it just revisits these movies uh honey i shrunk the kids there's an episode who framed roger rabbit uh just you know nightmare before christmas you know there's just so many classic pieces in here that they're looking at uh tron obviously i loved so definitely i would be checking it out Prop culture, yeah, that's on my list. Yep. Sounds Prop great. Prop culture. Kind of fun. All right, last well, but not least, Dwayne, what's yours, bud? Well, I'm sticking on brand. I'm going with a family movie. We've had uh, quite a few uh, family movie nights with some things going on around here. I mean, I want to bring uh, light to Pixar Disney's Up. Uh, this is a movie with Ed Asner um, and then a little kid and a dog that talks. So uh, <laughs> it's just a great, fun movie. Um, I've often joked with friends, you know, that the first 20 minutes of this movie is the best love story you'll ever see. And there's like three lines in the whole first little bit. Like Jamie said earlier, they just get to crying all out of the way up front. <laughs> and you can enjoy all of the fun and adventure after that. On top of that, you guys get a bonus with my keeping it 100. Uh, go to YouTube. <laughs> type in up, directed by Michael Bay. And uh, feast your eyes upon the glorious <laughs> that would be a very dark, uh, emotional, twisted version of Up. And do stay for the after credit scene, so to speak. Uh, that's my keeping it 100 uh, is up and also have some fun go to YouTube uh, if directed by Michael Bay highly recommended both of those that's right (laughs) you know uh, up is such a such a good movie Um, and I think what was the dog's name Doug 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 okay that's what I'm yep squirrel uh I know this probably sounds awful to some people, but I, I say that a lot to students. Okay. Hey, squirrel. Over here. Go on. <laughs> <laughs> and they laugh because they get it. <laughs> and it's got Zeppelins in it, man. I mean, yeah, you put Zeppelins in your movie, your cool factor goes up by like totally. 10, 15% immediately. Oh, entirely. You know, Zeppelins would help the IT crowd too. Uh, <laughs> Zeppelins make everything better. Um, but so, uh, Moving on from our Keeping 100, we're going to start with our opening thoughts and grades on the IT crowd. And Sammy, you get the privilege of going first. <sighs> you know, th- this is always nervous, you know, when, when you're when you're lead batter at this, right? Um, you know, I think it's kind of cool because IT crowd is really our first sitcom that we've discussed here at the round table. And I think that's kind of, you know, takes, takes a, a place there for us. All right. And I'm really glad we've had a chance to talk about it. You know, um, my hosts know that I am a, an admitted Anglophile as well as being a nerd. And so this is right up my alley. Um, you know, 
uh, Dwayne had mentioned that Jamie suggested this show to him. He did me also. Back when I first started uh, working on the podcast, Jamie's like, you got to watch this. And I loved it then. I love it now. Because most British comedy that I watched is sketch, right? Uh, French and Saunders, Monty Python's Flying Circus, Mr. Bean, those types of things. You know, the IT crowd was much more plot driven in terms of narrative. And it did just what a sitcom should do. It makes us laugh uh, out loud a lot. Um, so, oh man, grade, I'm going to, I don't know, maybe I'm jaded. I'm giving it an A+. Plus. That's it. I'm, I'm, I'm dropping the mic. A+. Plus. <laughs> and I, I love one, of the, one little detail you said there. You're this incredible angle. I don't know an Anglophile more you know, hip deep on that little island than you are. And I got to introduce you to something. That's right. <laughs> All right. Uh, Dwayne, you're next. What's your, uh, what's your great pal? Well, yeah, this is a brilliant British comedy of the highest degree. Um, I mean, you just have the jokes are so dry. They lean into them sometimes a little bit too much. And then it circles back around to being funny. Uh, you know, you just have that angle there you have the uh, you know just just a, a slightly left of culture you know from what we're used to it makes it even even that much more great i, I thoroughly enjoyed this show uh, I, i'm going to save a lot of my thoughts for my for my pans and, and fans because um th- there's just so much there uh, i don't want to give too much away but uh, I, I i haven't seen the whole show i've seen the first series as as referred to in um, in you know the UK there and even on Netflix it's not listed as seasons it's listed as series. series. So you have series one six six episodes about twenty two to twenty five minutes an episode, a very very quick watch, and there's a lot in each episode uh, that that, you, that that they pack in that that time and and I don't know what Sammy was talking about with it being like a, a plot all the way through. <laughs> it, it was very. I felt very sketchy. Now, each episode, you know, it does come around sometimes with some of those jokes and continue those out, but those seem to be done per episode per episode to me. Um, but I'm giving this thing a solid B plus. I was thinking about like a B plus plus, but you know, and it may be where I just need to watch some more of the series just to get some, just to get where it goes. But I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. But um, it just it just I don't know if I just didn't get enough of it. Uh, you know, it's why it's a B plus, but yeah, I'm, I'm giving it a solid B plus. Okay. All right. I'm last. Uh, so what Sammy has done is he's given you the grade for the entire series and he couldn't help himself. And I, and I had to wrestle with myself <laughs> not to do the same thing. Um, so of the entire like regular series, because season five is just a special they made when it was done. Right. Um, and so I, I treated it a little bit differently. It was, I think, five or six years after the rest of the show was finished. So I treat season series. I'm an American. I call them seasons. Um, so <laughs> that, that's, a, that's kind of its own thing. Um, this first season is the weakest of the bunch. Hmm. And they hadn't quite figured out how far to let Awadi go with Moss. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and there is a, a single cast member. I think they got absolutely wrong. Um, and I think, I think it hinders season one. And so, so the first season is the weakest of the bunch. They're still kind of finding their way, settling into their sense of humor, but it's still really strong. It's an A. 
just one cast member away from an A-first, basically. <laughs> Ooh, I'm interested to see who that cast member is. Yeah. Hmm. We'll get there. There's a paying station. Awesome, awesome. <laughs> All right, guys. Uh, <laughs> it's a little warm in here. Let's go turn the fan on. Keep it nerdy. All right, Dwayne, you are, I, I, I switched up your segue there. Uh, did you notice? I'm, I, I felt a little proud. Um, <laughs> Dwayne, you're, you're first on the fan section, and I made myself come up with two just in case, because I'm afraid we're all going to go in the same direction. So, Dwayne, what is your, your fan for IT Crowd? Well, my, fan, my fan's real general. And, and it's it covers the entire of the first season. It's not anything specific. My fan is is the absurdity that they take at office life. <laughs> Just how, if you've ever worked in any type of office setting, I mean, you know, I, I, work, uh, I worked as a delivery driver, you know, but I would be in the office lot getting orders, getting uh, si- stuff situated, you know, doing the, the paperwork. And just the things that happen on a day-to-day basis. And they've taken it and just ran with how crazy and how weird some of these conversations can get sometimes. And and they own it. And it's just how absurd and fun they make things. And I love, like I said, you know, how they'll just lean into it so hard. That's that's my fan. I just love how absurd, and I, that's kind of a thing with British comedy. And I'm I'm kind of a dry humor guy. You know, I love that kind of just in your face, like whatever, you know, funniness, and and it's there. It's this series has has it in space. All right, um, All right. that's not what I expected. I thought you'd go to a different direction on that one. Um, <laughs> All right, so I'm I'm actually gonna be more similar to you than than uh, I thought I was gonna be on this one. So mine is the the setting itself. So the, they sort of like set everything up and then press go once they've got everything established. And so I love like the setup. And so you've got like these pristine upper levels. Everything is perfect. Um, and then Jen gets on the elevator and goes down to the hellscape that is the basement. <laughs> So just, I mean, from the word go, the way the things are set up, I mean, and then every person on the upper level, I mean, looks like they got hired from a modeling agency. Mm-hmm. And then you find Roy and Moss in the basement. <laughs> uh, not exactly models, male models, you know? And there's the nerdy angst, and there's the resentment from, from the basement aimed at the upper levels. Um but at the same time, there's this lived-in thing that the basement has. The rest of it does. Everything else is so sterile. Mm-hmm. Whereas the the IT room is the only place that looks like a room that humans actually inhabit. Um, and, yeah, and it's, it's all just, piled and junked up. And oh, it's, the IT yes. guy's <laughs> office at my last job looked exactly like that. There was there were just pieces everywhere, just 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 guts and bones of computers and yeah. you know things. Yeah. And as much as they give each other a hard time, like there's still kind of a family atmosphere down there. But when they go upstairs, it's just nothing but contempt. From everyone around, <laughs> and and there's the whole thing of like Jen being this outsider, right? She's hired from outside the company. She you know, looks more like the upstairs people than Roy and Moss do, and so she's this complete outsider. When she gets down there, she's just a different brand of weirdo than they are. She's a weirdo too, and so like, but she's this outsider weirdo, and so it's just the setup itself. Everything that they put in place just works perfectly. And they ca- then they throw the casting, and it just they just press the button and just go. And I just love how smart the setup is. 
right. Sandy, what's your opinion? Cool. You know, uh, and and I guess talking about the setup in in terms of this, you know, I think on the surface, when you look at at this show, you see very trope characters, right? You've got the slacker, the geek, the social climber, the bad boss. You've got all these very trope stock characters that tend to show up in sitcoms and life in general. Uh, And and, and I think that it just kind of goes on and on. But instead of kind of given us those pastiches, I think we really get their characters and we develop personalities and and we start, especially as the series progresses, you know, I, I agree with Jamie as the series goes on, you start to get more and more of who these people are. And, but, and I guess because I have seen, I'm, I'm looking at this first season and I'm seeing the seeds of what I know grows. And that's why I guess I, I love this. I just love these characters and how they develop. Yeah, I, I could go with a second fan of just saying the name Maurice Moss. Uh, <laughs> I love that dude. <laughs> I was tempted to just have him be my fan. Well, before we uh, talk about Moss, we should maybe go to the office kitchen and see what uh, pans are laying there around maybe Moss's cup. All right, I get to go first, and uh, Sammy. Okay, here you go. All the uh, all the tension and anticipation is gone. It's it's random. I despise that guy. <laughs> uh, and I get I get that the role is that he's supposed to be unlikable. That's the whole point. He's wacky. He's crazy. It's just too much. It's like he can, he flies way past final taps of live and hits twenty three. I mean, it's just it's. He just overwhelms every scene he's in. And it's this manic insanity that's just five notches too far. And I, yeah. he just grates on me. And so, yeah, I, that's my biggest pan. And it's not even close. It's the biggest flaw in season one. And, I, and now that Dwayne hasn't. Now that Dwayne hasn't watched the rest of the show, I can't make the rest of my comments. But Denim <laughs> 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 Renum is my biggest pan. That whole character. Right. But but you know the guy loves a team. I mean, come <laughs> on, he loves a team. He loves he a Chris. team. He 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 knows Elton John. I I'm, mean, come <laughs> <on>. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm going to echo one of the uh, lines of one of the folks in the office. I don't think that was Elton John. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so I I guess that leads us to my pan. You know, once again, I love this show. I know I gave it an A plus and maybe I was thinking down the road with some of it. But um, I do question if in some ways it's almost niche viewing as far as a television show. Um, For instance, Maurice Moss. Love Maurice Moss. Everything about him. Kendra, on the other hand, thinks he's the most annoying character she's ever seen and can't stand to watch the show because of his voice, the way he acts. You know, now I keep trying to explain to her this is it. And I'll talk more later as we get into awards. But, you know, I try to explain her. This is the character. So I do have to wonder, though, you know, maybe this is a case of taste. 
Maybe you have to fully give yourself to the dork side. We have cookies and the IT crowd, uh, but whatever it would take, you know, but, but I think that's, that's my biggest pain is, is I wonder how applicable this can be to larger audience, especially maybe here in the States. I don't know. I loved it. But hey. <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll pitch Firefly to almost everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm more select than who I tell people I'm a big fan of the IT crowd. <laughs> I don't recommend it to everybody. Yeah, it's a very, very specific flavor. Yeah. Um, it's a very know. specific sense of humor. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's a very specific sense of humor, very specific flavor, that really odd thing. Um, my pan um, really, I don't know if it could even be a pan, but, you know, it, it seemed kind of, you know, like, I guess Sam said it, it carried some plot story, but to me it was really sketchy to be a sitcom. You, know, you had very few characters, you know, aside from your main three and the boss who carried through. You know, you had the 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 cute temp security guard for a few episodes. You had the uh, you had Richmond for a few episodes. You know, but there's really not a lot that carries through uh, unless that picks up later, which I really hope it does. And, uh, you know, but that was also kind of one of the best things about the show because they just drop stuff and let it go. You know, they just, they just drop it. It's funny. They carry it through that episode. You know, like when, uh, like they speak, they're speaking as a team, you know, and the reason for them going to his office, Roy lies and say they set up a, uh, voice information on his computer <laughs> fairly early in the episode. And then at the end of the episode, he's going, hello, hello. <laughs> You know, he's just screaming at the end of the episode, you know, so you know, that's how they kind of carried it through the ball and the ring, you know, and stuff like that. And, you know, I guess the, 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 well, I'm, I'll save that for later, but yeah, that's, <laughs> that's, it's, it's a great show. I, I love, yeah. That, and that really can't, is not even a pan. You know, it's just, yeah. It's calm that doesn't, you know, have a lot through. It is what it is. I mean, it, it is, it's quirky and it's got its own unique sense of humor and, all that, I mean, but it is still a sitcom, um, and there yeah. are conven- there are conventions of that style of storytelling that it's just going to have to fit into. But mm-hmm. <laughs> has anything ever done it better, though? <laughs> <laughs> right. It, it walks that line, you know. Like I said, if, if you watch things, like I said, things I watched in the past, like Mr. Bean or Monty Python's Flying Circus. I mean, it's sketch scene, sketch scene, sketch scene, sketch scene, and there's no relation to it. You know, it, it, it's, you know, to, to put it into, I guess, things that, that maybe in the States we could think about is hee-haw, all right? You know, <laughs> hee-haw was very much sketch comedy, right? So but this feel, even though it's you do have those those moments of kind of sketch comedy, you know, it kind of carries through. There's a story, right? <laughs> Sammy, maybe not all of our listeners live where we do. Saturday Night Live is another sketch show. <laughs> I was dying inside that he went with Hee Haw instead of SNL or Mad TV or anything else. Don't, don't get me wrong. I love Hee Haw as much as the next person down the road for me, but I just don't know how broad how broader hey, it's going to be. Where, where I grew up, it was Hee Haw, man. Well, well, let's go to the uh, office uh, recognition party and see if there's any awards for the IT crowd. Graphically Novel. Three brothers tackle a different graphic novel each week. Listen as the brothers Fugit discuss classic and not-so-classic graphic novels. Subscribe now on your podcast feed of choice. Graphically Novel. Three brothers who like each other but love comics.
Yeah, I love that scene, man. Oh, <laughs> Santa, got a computer contract. We nailed it. Ten times above production. Thanks <laughs> the toilet cleaners. <laughs> That's it, I got to eat. Oh, <laughs> Okay, sorry. Um, so the, our first, our first award is best performance, and Sammy, you get to go first. All right, best performance. I, I, I don't know if we can all agree, but for me, it is hands down Richard Ayotte. Maurice Moss has to be the best performance in this. He combines intellect, social awkwardness, and this flavor of geek that just endears him to me. Um, you know, and on the surface, I was referring to Kendra not liking the character. You know, on the surface, you almost think maybe he's a bad actor. Uh, he's delivering these very stilted <laughs> lines, you know, but then you realize that's just who the character is. Yep. And that's what makes him stand apart from all of those other geeky characters that that you can ascribe in television, okay? Okay. So, but yeah, so definitely got to go that. Well, I'm going to go a different direction. Um, Moss is great, but I think as far as a performance goes, when you put this person beside of Roy and Moss, uh, you know, she's she's the rub in the office. You know, she's the she's the like the outsider trying to fit in and she's their social bridge, so to speak. But Catherine Parkinson's uh, Jen Barber is, <laughs> you know, she comes in and, and she's just so wow. And, and just, and she's just so <laughs> crazy and, and dumb and out there. And she's lying through her whole interview. <laughs> Are you nervous? <laughs> yes. Don't be no, I'm not nervous. You know, and, and she's sending emails, checking emails, blundering her way through. And, you know, Sorry, and she has this whole idea of what the uh, of what the office is. And then they stick her in the basement with these two weirdos, and uh, her performance, I think, uh, makes Roy and Moss, you know, the characters that they are, you know, socially awkward anyway. You stick an attractive woman in with them, and they're just that much more off the deep end, both of them. So. Uh, she she done great. I thought she was wonderful. Jamie, what do you have? Uh, I'm going to agree with you completely. Uh, Catherine Parkinson makes this show work. Um, as great as Richard Awadi is, as great as Chris O'Dowd is, it's just kind of a funny show without her. Um, she she makes she's the last domino that makes everything work. Because you, you think about it, she's a weirdo too. She's a different kind of weirdo. She's a weirdo though, and. She has to kind of be the outsider, but still fit in and develop relationships with these folks and make the comedy work. And at times, she has to be the funny one. Think about the shoes. But other times, <laughs> she has to be the straight man for a lot of those scenes. She has to be the one that their weirdness doesn't make sense to. And it all works, and she nails it. And I think I really do think this. If they get that casting wrong, this show does not work. And I, Or, or it doesn't get renewed. There's just one season. There's a couple of chuckles. We remember Moss as being an interesting character, and that's it. Um, yeah. I think it's probably why the American version didn't work. Because, I mean, come on. Joel McHale as Roy, that probably worked. Awadi came over. He was still Maurice Moss. I'm guessing they got Jen wrong. I mean, Catherine Parkinson nailed this. Yeah, she was, she, had she to made be a it comedy. work. Yeah, she had to be a comedy genius 
to to bounce off of, of you know Chris O'Dowd and, and Richard Awadi. So, so I'm uh, going next on favorite scene. And uh, we get know, the language already. I'll <sighs> <laughs> <laughs> um, you know there's so many great ones in here, and I'm not going to cheat yes. and and talk about you know. <laughs> Her, you know, trying to understand what Moss is saying when he's explaining computers to her, and all you hear is a static. <laughs> I'm not going to talk about, you know, her, you know, trying the shoes on. I'm not going to talk about all that stuff. But when they're having to explain Aunt Irma to Moss, <laughs> and she's fallen to the communist, she's closed for maintenance. She, the, the high tide has come in, you know. She's and Moss oh, is gosh. clueless. <laughs> and it even takes Roy a few minutes to get it. <laughs> but the thing that kicks Moss into gear getting it is the first scene of Carrie. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and then he just vacates the room. <laughs> He's like, no, no. And he just leaves. <laughs> you know, that's so much of who they are. Cause she's just trying to be cool and kind of play this off. Moss has no clue. <laughs> It takes Roy a minute to get it. And then Moss just I can't go and leaves. <laughs> you know, that explains their dynamic right there to me. All right, well, I've got two. So, Sam, if you'll please go next. Okay. See, I've got two Take also. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, okay. So, I, I went back and forth on this. So, there are two great scenes. So, you were talking about Jen. Okay. And episode two. Calamity Jen with the whole shoes and trying to get her foot in the shoe that's too small and all that kind of stuff, right? That was all funny. But when she walks up and Mr. Yamamoto <laughs> is doing Godzilla and stomping with the Doc Martens and in turn stomps on her foot. I was cackling out loud when they start bleeping her and she's chewing him out with Denim gives him the, the sword back. You know? I mean, I'm just like, oh my gosh. It just, that was, I mean, there's so many great scenes, but that one always stands out to me. Yeah, that was great Asian actor Togo Agawa. <laughs> who I thought was going to be the counter connection, but he failed me. Um, <laughs> okay, I've, I've got two, and I can't decide, so I'm just going to say one and then explain the other one. Moss and the fire. <laughs> okay, uh, now, I'll give, now I'll give my real one. Um, when Jen starts haunting Bill Krause, yes. from the second her head flies by me, <laughs> because Small Paul was pushing that thing, <laughs> To when she's at his house haunting him, and he probably dies of a heart attack. Just every bit of that, her haunting him. I, I hurt myself laughing at that scene. Now, see, I couldn't go with that one because it was a whole episode. I was on the floor. <laughs> see, that was my other one. But, but it was Moss doing the fourth wall soliloquy. Trying to figure out what to say and what to do. It's almost like it was his to be or not to be. That whole episode had so many good moments. Yeah. So. Great. Great. Oh, gosh. 
Yeah. Yeah, but moss in the fire. Quality. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> make him back up again. Uh, so I get to go first on best character, and this is the easiest one. As much as Jen makes the whole show work, and as much as I love Chris O'Dowd, and man, does he have his moments later on. Best character season one is Maurice Moss. Best character for season two, three, four, and the special movie five. <laughs> it's Maurice Moss. I love this guy. And he isn't even drinking milk and playing Street Countdown yet. Uh, he's, he's quirky. He's funny. His comedic timing is so good. Michael Fassbender should be just off camera going, perfection. <laughs> Maurice Moss is the best character. I agree entirely. Uh, Maurice Moss, Richard Owade. I mean, it, I, I was talking to you guys before the show started, saying, you know, which one came first? The IT crowd or, or, or the Big Bang Theory? You know, so I don't know that you get Shelton the way you get him without Moss. Uh, yeah, he is just a quintessential, awkward, just does not get it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, see, the, the reason I gave him, uh, I didn't give him best performance is I've seen enough British talk shows to know there's not a lot of acting going on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, I found out looking at his IMDb, he is the host of a travel show I'm dying to check out. <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> I, I saw a clip of him riding a roller coaster, and it was one of the funniest things I've ever seen. <laughs> Yeah, but they just basically took who Richard Awadi is, just dialed it up a notch, and you get Maurice Moss. <laughs> a lot of ton I, of acting. I think that's the same thing with, with Sheldon. I think Jim Parsons is very much Sheldon Cooper, but they dialed Jim up just a little bit. And I really think from when I've seen him in interviews, so I, I think that's similar. All right, as far as best character, I swerved a little bit here. Okay, I did a little bit of a swerve, you know, I wanted Moss for that performance, you know, but best character, I went a different way. I went with Richmond as my best character. (laughs) Pause for dramatic effect. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Noel Fielding. Okay, you were talking about uh, Richard Ayrotti on on a a travel show. Noel Fielding also co-hosts the British (laughs) Baking, the Great British Baking Show. Okay. But in this, it's almost like they took an old school horror host and dropped him into the middle of a sitcom. All right. The way he looks off camera, the way all the other characters interact with that and just kind of stare. It just makes me laugh. The fact that they even give us a backstory for this guy. I love the backstory. The fact that that (laughs) cradle of film. (laughs) So. You know, a character like this could could really be portrayed more as a sight gag in a lot of sitcoms, but he becomes a character, and I like that about him. So that's why I chose him him for my best character. And he's not even wearing makeup. No. (laughs) (laughs) He looks the same exact way. So, great British bacon, he looks the same way. So...
So here we go. All right. So uh, our next award is it's always best quote, but we tweaked things this little week because of the presence of Maurice Moss. <laughs> So, so the next award is the best quote by Maurice Moss. And Sabi, you get the privilege of so many options. It, it, it It's just, it's like buckshot, right? I mean, <laughs> no matter what you choose, you're going to hit something, right? Um, well, as an educator myself, I had to choose the interplay between Roy and Moss. When Roy <laughs> says, we don't need no education, and Moss goes, Yes, you do. You just use a double negative. <laughs> just the literal nature of, of Moss is great. So that's my quote. So, uh, uh, so mine is from the fire scene. And so he tries to call the absurd uh, emergency number and can't remember it. And so he writes an email. So it's so right, I, yeah. It's right to be mine. Dear so sir favorite, or madam. Yeah, hold on. That, this is my that, that email is my best quote from authors. <laughs> <laughs> so just hang on, I'm gonna read it. Dear sir, stroke madam. I'm writing to inform you of a fire which has broken out on the premises of no, that's too formal. Dear sir, stroke madam. Fire! Exclamation mark. Fire! Exclamation mark. Help me! Exclamation mark. One, two, three, Carrington Road. Looking forward to hearing from you. All the best, Marie Small. <laughs> yeah, that that was brilliant. That was brilliant. Uh, I'm going to go a little bit though when he's explaining his breakfast to you. What's my other one? <laughs> what did you have for breakfast this morning? He says. Smarty cereal. She's like, no Smarties made of cereal. He says, they don't. It's just Smarties and milk. (laughs) (laughs) I see, I make Smarty cereal jokes all the time at the house. I offer to make that for my kids all the time. They don't know what I'm talking about. (laughs) And rewatching season one reminded me of a line I do all the time that I'd forgotten where I got it from. Like when I'm, you know, trying to give my kids orders or we're arguing about stuff. I'll say, sir or madam, I've forgotten where it came from. <laughs> Somebody starts writing that email. I'm like, it's a moth thing. That's it. Yeah. Well, I've got a new thing. I've got a new thing I've, I've started doing kind of in my head when I meet people. I'll say, hmm, two eyes. That's the best number of eyes. <laughs> yeah, but when, that, when my kids get like attitudinal and they're both one's a teenage, one's a preteen, I'll, I'll go, how dare you, sir or madam? And let's just look at me. <laughs> like, what are you saying? Yeah, yeah but that, the, the eyes thing was good, too. That was on my short list. Yes. But, oh. sm- the idea of smarty cereal. And as soon as he says it, you picture it. Right. <laughs> you can't help it. And, and, and I mean, I had the same response as Jen. I didn't know smarties made a cereal. <laughs> <laughs> trying to imagine this. Well, I and, the, uh, and none of us, none of us chose the quote though when he's in the bathroom and his mom stopped <laughs> making it go back in. <laughs> that is one of the most uncomfortable scenes I've ever watched on TV. There's yeah. nothing more awkward than that. <laughs> That's brilliant. That is brilliant. Well, I get the uh, honor of uh, giving the uh, best quote not by Moss. Of, uh, in this episode, uh, one of our specifics here. Uh, 
So my best quote is, have you tried turning it off and on again? <laughs> Not anyone. <laughs> That's just such a running gag through there. Yeah, by the end, it's on a recorder. It's just handling yes. the <laughs> I'm glad somebody used that one. Now, so, so I kind of thought the same thing, but I loved how they broke it up a little bit a few times, yeah. right? It wasn't just, hello, IT. Have you tried turning it off and on again? I loved when Roy was like, uh, okay, well, the button on the side is a glowing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you need to turn it on. The button turns it on. Yeah, you do know how a button works, don't you? No, not on closed. <laughs> Are you from the past? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, but just that additional little bit just made makes that line sing, I think. <laughs> well, well, Dwayne has pretty much used almost all of mine, um, but mine is the Aunt Irma monologue. Uh, and I'm going to read the whole thing. I love it. <laughs> and so Jen says, I've got Aunt Irma visiting. And Ma says, do you, like, do you not like Aunt Irma? I've got an aunt like that. Jen says, it's my turn for my time of the month. Mall says, what time of the month? The weekend? Does they earn a visit on the weekend? Jean says, no, you know, it's high tide. Moss, we're not on the coast. Jean, I'm closed for maintenance. I've fallen to the communists. And Moss says, well, they do have some strong arguments. <laughs> that whole scene, that whole interaction is just genius. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Have you tried Falling forcing an unexpected reboot? So our best supporting character is our last award. And I have the privilege of going uh, first, even though Sammy disagrees with me on the definition of supporting characters. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm going with Richmond. I, I love that golfy weirdo. I just do. <laughs> I love just how bizarre he is. I love the scene where his eye cover falls out and it's, nope, it's just rolled around back behind his eye. I mean, yeah. just, like, hold on. Everything he does, the way he talks, the staring off into the distance, the backstory is just, and then the last scene of the series is just, where he wakes up. <laughs> <laughs> And I love that he goes for it to the right amount. Like, the guy's playing rhythm. He goes too far. Richmond is a character that could have went too far, and Noel Fielding just gets it perfectly. And it <clears> makes <throat> the character just work perfectly. And it could have, that could have been nails on a chalkboard, but because of how into it he is, and probably not acting, he's just saying lines, but <laughs> it works perfectly. And so I, I, I love Richmond fan. Hey, guy. <laughs> agree. Yep. Agree. Yeah. Agree. Agree. Noel Fielding as Richmond is mine. The goth in the closet. <laughs> What's behind the red door? I'm going there. <laughs> I don't know what this button does. What's it? It's blinking. Blink. Blink. No, it's not blinking. No watch. No watch. No watch. I don't know why. <laughs> 
All right. So, Sammy, uh, we disagree with you on our definitions here. But so, who's your best supporting character? All right. And if you say read them, you're fired. No, my best supporting <laughs> character um, is Dr. Mendel, played by Francis Barber. Okay. <laughs> Along with such an, it creating such an interesting dynamic between Roy and Moss with the whole she's a spitting image of my mom thing. Um, how could I not choose someone who is also starred on Doctor Who? So, Francis Barber also portrayed Madame Kavarian, the Patch lady, in seven episodes of Series 6 with Matt Smith's 11th Doctor. So, um, the fact that she's on here, and plus she's such a hilarious play in the middle of all of this. Um, she shows up at the end also there in the last episode. <laughs> So I had to go Dr. Mendel says Francis Barber. So Yeah, that was brilliant. She was she was a great character. There were so many wonderful characters in this office. You know, so much weirdness in the IT room, so much oddness even upstairs with all the beautiful people. But a beautiful person I would love to have come work on my computer. Maybe he could connect with the Matrix. Is Keanu Reeves. So Jamie, how does Keanu? connect with our IT crowd? Okay. There's one way. Okay, so I had to cheat a little. There's just one. It's not in Series 1. I think it's a Series 4 episode that has a Keanu connection. <laughs> it's still the IT crowd. It still counts. Yeah, I was I was going to stretch a little bit and count it. Uh, besides, it's, it's all there is. <laughs> I bet. Okay, so the, the actor this week, he's one of those guys that got, he's got one of those, I know that guy's face. He's got one of those faces. He's also got, hey, I know that guy's voice, too. He's, he's got both of those. So this week, we're going to play a little game. I'm going to highlight some of his nerdy Hall of Fame filmography. And when I get done, I want you to tell me at the point you know who, I, who, I'm, who I'm referring to. Because you will figure it out. You will, don't, don't blurt it out. Just tell me when you figure it out. So it's essentially named that actor. Basically, yeah. Okay. All right, so, okay, here we go. Okay, he's done a lot of TV work beyond the IT crowd. He's been on, he is still on his Dark Materials, Doctor Who, Axe Cop, Parks and Rec, Bob's Burgers, The Simpsons, Rick and Morty, and even The Tick. Movie work is not in short supply either. He was in, here's a hint, uh, he was in <laughs> Guardians of the Galaxy, Muppets Most Wanted, Shaun of the Dead, and here it goes. He did the most famous voice performance in The Phantom Menace. <laughs> That's right. Peter Serafinowicz belongs in the Nerd Hall of Fame, and he is the Keanu connection this week. He appeared with Keanu as the sommelier in John Wick 2. And Peter Serafinowicz is our Keanu connection. <gasps> yeah. Peter Serafinowicz is amazing. Yeah, I love him. Yep. <laughs> Uh, I got that relatively early. Yeah, the, t- the tick <laughs> I thought was going to get one of you. And so, yeah. But there's like three versions of the ticks. So I thought I might still hang on past that one. But I knew Darth Maul was going to be the one where everybody knew what I was talking about. Yeah, yeah it's, I think it's either season three or four. He's on like one episode. I think he's like a guy that goes on a date with Jen. <laughs> and it goes poorly. <laughs> Shock. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh, so that's a thing that carries through, eh? 
Oh, yeah. Because <laughs> yeah, I know the date with the security guard did not go well. <laughs> Uh, I can't wait for you to meet Peter. That that's a great setup. There. Uh, you know, yeah, when you meet Peter, let us know. Uh, so, Sammy, our next quest is one of your picks. Why don't you preview uh, our next episode? All right. So, our next quest will be 1982's Blade Runner, directed by Ridley Scott, starring Harrison Ford, Sean Young, the late Rucker Hauer, even Edward James almost. Um, obviously, based upon uh, Philip K. Dick's book, Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep? Um, there are seven versions of this film. So, which one will we watch? Which one will you watch? We probably don't know. So I guess we'll have to wait and find out. <laughs> well, I'm watching the one on my shelf, and I'm not sure what that one is. <laughs> I've got three different cuts. I thought I had them all. I didn't know there were four more. <laughs> That's insane. According to my research, there are seven, seven different versions of the film. So, Wow. So... I thought I had that collection completed. <laughs> <laughs> well, Jamie, as we prepare to watch multiple <laughs> versions of Blade Runner, to prepare for next episode, um, I can kind of guess what we're going to do, but why don't you tell me? We're going to keep it nerdy as we try to turn it off and on again. 